Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, January 20th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is Really excited, actually, to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team we have not really thought much about in quite a long time. I agree with you. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. That's where you keep up to date on all of our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Uh, Like we just talked about at the top of the show, today is a super fun Locked On crossover episode with Jay Foster from Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to talk about the Voracek-Atkinson deal. There's so much uh, to get caught up on with Columbus, and Jay is the guy to do it. So looking forward to that. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. Russ, one thing that we did not get to talk about on yesterday's show was the injury to Kevin Hayes or re-injury, I guess I should say in, in some ways, and that he had... Uh, a procedure that will have him out for three to four weeks, which, God, you just have to feel for him, right? Yeah, this is a tough year on and off the ice. It's it's nice to hear that um, Brad Marchand's been so nice to his to his nephew and um, playing a little street hockey and such. That's good, you know, because remember Marchand's such an idiot on the ice, but he really is a good guy off the ice. Um, but for Hayes, it's tough. It's tough mentally and now. You know, he's battling through these injuries. He's not been right, really, the whole year. And I think the Flyers fans have been great. If you think about this being like the Eagles or another team with him making this kind of money, I think they would have been all kinds of static regardless. And Flyers fans haven't said a word. No, I think that's a really good point that I think people are just really sympathetic and know he's been struggling. And there is a certain level of appreciation for his attempt to, you know, put it all out there and, and play every game. And you know, he wants to play. So uh, it just, again, must be so frustrating for him to be off the ice again for a little bit. It does have a significant effect down the middle for the Flyers and You know, they rotate Giroux back at center. They put Lawton at center. And it's a Band-Aid, but it's not a permanent solution. No, it's definitely not a permanent solution. You're right. So we'll see if there's any other combinations that they try. Um, You know, at least, you know, the, the small upside to this is that Frost gets some better minutes in these games instead of being stuck on the fourth line. And I think that's much better for him. It is. I mean, I'd like to see him, you know, get a little uptick. I felt like uh, in the shootout, he had a little jump to him. He just, you know, but he got stoned. So maybe this will kind of get him going because he'll play with some higher skill guys. Yeah. 
The other uh, news that came out yesterday was they finally rescheduled all of those games (laughs) around the NHL (laughs) for the now no longer Olympic break. So as of now, the Flyers have six games scheduled during that time period. A couple of games against Detroit, which is another team I felt like we have not even mentioned in years and years. Uh, We've got a game against the Penguins. They rescheduled that Carolina game. We have a back-to-back, in fact, on February 21st, 22nd, uh, with that Carolina rescheduled game and St. Louis. I just want to use the word brutal. Yes. That will be brutal. I know. I was just going to say it's a Carolina and St. Louis back to back. It's on a Monday and Tuesday, which makes it mm. even worse, I think, just from a start. It'll off be punishing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be punishing like a physically for the team. I mean, those are two tough teams. Yeah. And not to mention their game before that will it be against Washington. So the month of February is looking like a gauntlet for the Flyers and uh, just hope they can make it through. Yeah, they got to start racking up some wins. All right. Well, like I said at the top of the show, we are thrilled to once again talk to Jay Foster from Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets. And here is that conversation. All right. It's been a while since the Flyers and Columbus have crossed paths. And thus it's been, I feel like, almost as long since we have done a crossover show with Jay Foster from Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets. So we are excited to welcome you back to Locked On Flyers. Hey, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. I think it's actually been even longer that <laughs> the, the teams haven't played because we met after the uh, Voracek-Atkinson trade. We sat down and I don't know that we've played since 2019. So it's been... <laughs> It's, it's been a minute. What century are we in? Like, I don't even know anymore. It, as far as I'm considered, it's still March 2020. Like, time is meaningless. <laughs> so given that it's been this long, what is the general feeling in Columbus right now in terms of results versus expectations for this season now that we're about halfway through? Uh, I mean, I, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually. We're kind of playing with house money this season is how I've been looking at it. So we're kind of on a bit of a downward trend at the minute. I think we've got five wins in our last 16 games or something something like that. So not great, but we built up a lot of goodwill at the start of the season. Um, and a lot of people expected Columbus to kind of be, uh, you know, basement dwellers along with, uh, you know, Arizona this season because of the, the moves that they made. You know, Columbus lost a lot of their big pieces obviously you know seth jones going um no one was really sure what was going to happen with patrick line whether he was gonna you know have a season that we that we needed or if he was going to have more of a, a season like he did last year under under tortorella luckily it seems like he's kind of picked it up uh this season or not picked it up i think it, it's a credit to both him and brad larson for figuring out how to play line style instead of the Tortorella thing of I'm going to try and shove this incredibly talented defensive player into a uh, into a square hole but that's uh, that's beside the point <laughs> that's the torch uh, way yeah. right exactly you play his way or you don't play um, but Larson is I'm really impressed with Brad Larson actually as a as a coach considering he's a first time head coach uh, I think he's done a really good job 
with this team. Uh, he is really good at playing to our strengths, which is not something. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, Rachel, but I have a lot of respect for what Tortorella did in Columbus. You know, he kind of put some respect on the team's name around the league. You know, they were they were kind of a joke team before 2015. He comes in, and I don't necessarily agree with all of his methods. I agree with, you know, the, the results that he got. You know, he, he made the team into more than the sum of their parts. He took them to the playoffs for four straight years. Um, they got their first playoff series win under Tortorella. You know, I don't like how it ended. You know, I think last season was a bit of a, a nightmare for him, for players, for everyone involved. But, um, you know, I like a lot of what Tolerella has done, but Brad Larson has really kind of really surprised me with how well he's taken what is essentially a team of children and like two adults. And, you know, they're, they're just under 500, which honestly is, is not something that uh, like, I think a lot of people expected from this team. I think they thought, you know, like I say, I think they thought we were going to be fighting for first overall and we're kind of still in the still just about in the in the playoff hunt i think keeping with that theme is patrick line playing for a contract in columbus or is he playing to get to a bigger time stanley cup contender it's it's really tough to say i would love for patrick line to stick around i like him a lot i think he's one of the best pure goal scorers in this league uh and obviously you know the last kind of couple of seasons he's he's been on a, a dip uh he started to, to trend back up this season um the problem with with line i think is it's gonna dip, it's gonna end up being where the team is in the standings uh you know mm-hmm. we've, we've i've talked a lot about players like max domi and Jonas corpusalo who are unrestricted free agents at the end of this season obviously line Line signed a uh, one-year contract. His his qualifying offer at the start of the season. He's making seven and a half million, I think. Mm-hmm. I I hadn't thought about him being a potential trade deadline flip, but it wouldn't it would not surprise me if we if we flipped him at the deadline, which is a shame because I do think I know Yarmo a little bit, and and Yarmo's not afraid to deal if he doesn't think a guy's going to be there long term or he can get him at the price he needs to get him at. That's what made me think about that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we've we seen that before in, in Kekalina in the, you know, there was the big narrative is that no one wants to stay in Columbus. And part of that, I think, was Kekalina tends to play hardball with contract extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw it with Josh Anderson. We saw it with Zach Wrensky, not this contract, but the previous one. You know, he, I think, signed the day before training camp started uh you know so he's clearly not afraid to to say listen if like you want too much money and that's not worth kind of handicapping the team over it so um yeah it would be great to see line a stick around uh i am much less sure now that we will see him in a blue jackets jersey next season than i was at the start of the season funny i think that's probably pretty similar to the claude Giroux feelings that <laughs> flyers fans had at the beginning of the season and now i'm like obviously i i am not a a flyers fan specifically uh i don't want to see claude Giroux in a different jersey it would be weird and i would not like it <laughs> same very much same 
BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and they have a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts. I think the big conversation for these two teams, obviously, is that Atkinson Voracek deal. And it seems to be working out for the most part for both teams. Now, um, as of recording, it's not likely that Jake will be available to play for Columbus uh, to be determined, but most likely not. So we're kind of sad to not be able to see him out there on the ice. But what has Voracek brought to Columbus that you were missing? I mean, I don't need to tell you guys that Voracek is a primary assist machine. Uh, You know, he, I think he has like 25 points this season and I want to say 19 or 20 of them are primary assists, you know, and that's something that we, and you know, the more I think about it, the more I think the Atkinson Voracek trade, while it kind of sucked on an emotional level for me as a fan who really loved Cam Atkinson and, uh, you know, was basically assuming that he was going to retire a Blue Jacket. Swapping a a scorer for a playmaker, I think, has done wonders for, you know, Line's season, for Oliver Bjorkstrand's season. He's having a really great season. And also Boone Jenner. Um, Boone Jenner is having a a, not quite a career season, but uh, he's on pace for like, 35 36 goals right now yeah he's a good player i've always liked him i yeah i'm a big fan of Jenner, and i think he's kind of been viewed as not necessarily a bust but he had that 130 goal season in uh 2016 i want to say and um has never really kind of managed to recreate that again but playing on a line with with jake varacek and also varacek uh playing on the power play has just kind of made the world of difference for this team's top six because we had a lot of maybe not you know game-changing goal scorers we didn't really you know we didn't have an Ovechkin or a Austin Matthews on the team but we had a lot of very good competent goal scorers I mean Cam Atkinson scored 41 goals a couple of seasons ago uh we didn't have a, a true playmaker like uh like Voracek and it's yeah it's made the world a difference I'm super happy with with how Voracek has played since uh since he came back to Columbus and it was super great to see him get his uh a thousand his 1000th game uh here in in Columbus so that's awesome uh I yeah I love I love Jake Voracek on the ice off the ice I think he's uh been a really good stabilizing player for the the young players you know i just talked about how this is a team of of children but jake varacek seems to have kind of taken that fun uncle role in the team uh and i think he's been a a really good influence on you know especially players like cole sillinger who uh you know i feel like jake varacek could just about be his father so he could there's no doubt so keeping with the uh frame of young players for a minute 
you're getting Alexander Texier back, and that's that's one of Yarmul Kekalainen's favorite players. Like he personally scouted him. He told me about him uh, two years ago when I used to do a prospect show on Sirius off the air. Like keep an eye on him. Like he was, you know, he was he was trying to get me to write about him, and and I eventually did because what I like about him is. Like on the power play, he's a really calm passer. He's got a great wrist shot. He will go through the crease, you know, to, to knock in rebounds. And he was out for a little while, and he's got 11 goals. How important is he to the team? Because I feel like since he's 22, I think Yarmo was kind of looking at things and saying, all right, we lost Atkinson here, but he could eventually replace some of those goals. Yeah, for sure. And the the like the the fan base has kind of been iffy on Texier for a couple of seasons now. Of I've always liked Texier. I think he's a, a really good player. He brings a lot of energy. Um, you know, he um I was comparing him to kind of a, a Sonny Milano type. Mm-hmm. Of maybe he doesn't play the the smartest hockey, but he brings energy and effort, you know, every single shift. He's like a like a ping pong ball out there just rattling around um i don't think anyone was expecting this kind of season out of him you know he's second on the team in goals uh obviously he's missed a little bit of time due to covid but uh he'll be he'll be back um he he played uh in carolina and florida so the last two games so hopefully he can kind of keep the the season that he's having going um because yeah he's He's incredibly important to this team's success right now because Columbus has always kind of scored by committee. Um, you know, we we've never really had, apart from you know the that season that Atkinson had forty goals. Uh, we've never really had someone who has consistently led the way in scoring. Well, um, you did you know, a long time ago. Last... Like Rick Rick Nash was the guy, but yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Artemi Panarin for a couple of seasons had, you know, 70 points or whatever. Yes. Last last season, you know, I think our leading goal scorer had, was Oliver Bjorkstrand with 21 goals. The season before was Oliver Bjorkstrand with about the same. You know, we're not going to have... This team is not built to have someone who goes and scores all of the goals. We The team scores by committee. And so Alexander Texier getting... You know, he's already hit his career high in in goals and doesn't seem to be slowing down. He started the season on the fourth line and uh, still kind of makes his way back there. But, you know, to have a guy on the fourth line who's second on the team in scoring, like, okay, maybe it points to some deeper issues with the team. But I have been super happy with uh, Texier's progress this season. Uh, I talked at the the kind of the the end of the off season, I sat down with Jeff Svoboda, who is the uh, the reporter for the Blue Jackets, who writes on uh, NHL.com, and um, he said, you know, someone needs to take a step forward. One of these young guys, whether it's Texier or whether it's Emil Bemstrom or whether it's Kevin Stanland or Eric Robinson, somebody on this team needs to take a step forward, and. I think Texier has done exactly that. So yeah, I could I couldn't be happier with with Texier's play. He's another player that kind of like I talked about at the the start of this. He we're playing with house money. He especially is playing with house money. You know, this is his first real offensive like outpouring. Yeah, and he's only twenty two. Like it's like he's been up a little while, but he's very he's really young, and he really didn't have the same kind of development cycle a normal like junior hockey player would have. 
No, his story, like, yeah, and his story is so interesting. You know, he basically was was unheard of until he went to play in Finland. Mm-hmm. You know, he played all of his, his real junior hockey in France and then went over to, to Finland and suddenly people were like, wow, who is this guy? You know, he kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> Um, I, I know a couple of the, the guys on the uh, Great Britain national team who played in the mm-hmm. World Championships uh, the last time it, it happened. And, you know, they, they played against France. And, you know, I was like, oh, so who was who impressed you out of, you know, everyone that you played? And one guy was like, man, Texier, you know, you're playing against Canada, you're playing against America, but this guy stood out. And that's super cool. As part of that, Uh, You just talked a little bit about the last couple of games, which could not have been more different. And just trying to get a handle on who Columbus is right now. You shut out the Carolina Hurricanes six to nothing. And then in the very next game, we got trounced by the Florida Panthers nine to two. And those are two top teams in the league. And so I'm just curious, like, what was the difference between those two games for Columbus? Was it the pure matchup or was there a difference in play on the Columbus side that really led to such vastly different outcomes? Yeah, it looked, they looked like two different teams and inconsistency has been a problem all season for, for this team, which I I think is um, understandable, you know? very young team there's been a lot of roster turnover um i didn't look it up before recording but i would be willing to bet that the last time the the blue jackets played the flyers there were maybe seven or eight guys on this active roster that were on that roster um you know a lot of roster turnover and so that's kind of partially why the team has been so inconsistent but yeah like you like you say it it you want to get a handle on on what this, who, who this team is like me too i i have no idea what kind of team this is right now <laughs> you know it, it's it's a team that can chase carolina hurricanes out of their own building and then the next game they turn around and like within i think it was within a minute and 45 seconds we were down to nothing <laughs> and i kind of was like yeah this this feels right for this team that just played one of their best games of the season, you know, and the game before that, we lost to the Chicago Blackhawks who have been struggling all season. It, it just, the team makes no sense sometimes. And I wish I could give you a better answer of, you know, which game is more indicative of which Blue Jackets team is going to show up against Philadelphia, but I can't give you an answer. I will say that the Columbus Blue Jackets are a team that tends to play to the level of their opponent. You know, last season we had a, Terrible season by by Blue Jacket standards over the last kind of half a decade or so. Uh, the team that we had the best record against last season in the division was the Tampa Bay Lightning. We we went basically winless against Nashville. Uh, we went basically winless against Chicago, who was terrible last season, you know. But Tampa Bay, who went on to win the cup, we we didn't have a winning record against them, I don't think. But we had our best season record against against them specifically. So you know it. it it's, it, the team makes no sense. They just kind of do do what they want. So I could see, you know, a complete blowout for either team. Uh, we I, I always call them murder games. Um, you know, the like the nine twos. I don't think it'll be nine two, but you know, a, a, a five one or a six two game. I could see that. I could see a two one shootout win for either team. I could see a six five nightmare which is my least favorite kind of game um 
I, I, I cannot, I cannot give you an answer on, on what team you're going to see, because I don't know. And I don't think the team knows, frankly. Somebody who used to be the man uh, in Columbus and is no longer uh, Eunice Corpusalo, another guy who's always rumored in trade talks. How did he fall out of favor like these last two years? Because before that, he looked like a pretty bright future for him. The the coming out of Elvis Muslikens, I think, was kind of the beginning of the end for Corpusalo. Um, and his first season as a starter Corpusalos, I was like, wow, okay, we've got something here. Obviously, Muslikens struggled a little bit in his first kind of few games as a blue jacket. I think he, he took like it was like seven or eight games before he got a win in the in the National Hockey League. Um and then he kind of was on fire after that. You know, there was that stretch of games where he got five shutouts in eight games or something crazy in, in his rookie season. Um so I don't think it's necessarily anything that Corpusalo has been doing. I think it's just that they've looked at Corpusalo, they've looked at Muslikins and thought we can't keep both of them. So we're gonna put our our eggs in Muslikins' basket. I think for the most part that was a, a smart idea. I think Elvis has a higher ceiling than Corpusalo. And it's a shame because I genuinely like Corpusalo. Um I think he's gonna be a real good starting goalie somewhere. Um he's he's not a, a backup goalie. Um this is something I was talking about a little bit um earlier earlier this week, actually. Um some goalies are meant to be starting goalies and some goalies are mm-hmm. meant to be backups because yeah. some goalies just need more play. Um, you know, Jonas Corpusala was a terrible backup, I think because he wasn't the type of goalie that really responded well to sitting for two weeks and then playing a game and then sitting for another two weeks. Because Sergei Poprovsky, you know, when he was in town, he was the guy. He played, you know, 60 games a season and didn't really get it, you know, there wasn't really a chance for Corpusalo to get in. When he got in, in you know, after the departure of Sergei Borovsky and he and Merzlikens were kind of splitting games, uh, he played really well. You know, he was named to the All-Star, All-Star game um, in 2019 because he he played so well for us. And it's kind of been a slow, slow decline then of Merzlikens getting more games because not necessarily because he's better, but I think he gives the team a chance to win. Um, I always say that Elvis is our high-risk, high-reward goalie, and Corpusalo is kind of a more consistent but less less exciting goalie. You know you, you know what you're going to get with Corpusalo. I just don't think that what you're going to get with Corpusalo is as high as the ceiling that, that Elvis has, which, again, is a shame. Um, and I'm going to be real sad when they trade Corpusalo to the Oilers for a first-round pick. But <laughs> hey. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you can, you know? <laughs> uh, it's so true, though. It's going to happen. Like, that just feels right. That's just, yeah, that's just right. what's going to happen. Um, which is going to su- it's going to be sad because, again, I like Gorbisalo. I think he'll be sad in Edmonton because everyone Everybody is sad is in Edmonton. Sad in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I don't, I think um, he probably will fall on the, the Leon Dreisaitl side of taking nothing from... Uh, from reporters because they're like that in Europe. Good practice, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so will we see Merzlikens in the game, you think? That would be my that would be my assumption. Um he played, he got the shutout in Carolina. Uh he got pulled in Florida after 
God, four goals on eight shots or something terrible like that. Uh, but yeah, I would imagine that we'll see uh, Musleykins. Um, that being said, it, we do have a back-to-back. Uh, so we're playing Pittsburgh the next night. So it also would not surprise me that we play Elvis against Pittsburgh and play Corpsalo against uh, uh. Philadelphia. But honestly, I, I don't know what, what Brad Larson kind of plays by the, the beat of his own drum. So he could turn around and say, yeah, we're going to play Elvis against Philly and we're going to play Corpsalo against Pittsburgh uh, because historically Elvis has not played super well against Pittsburgh. But it's I, I do feel sometimes like he just kind of flips a coin and says, right, that's the goalie we're going with. So Got it. Well, I think that's all we have for you. Uh, any last words for Flyers fans about columbus um i don't think so but yeah i think be prepared for anything uh (laughs) i would say the same um (laughs) i i would like i mean you said uh, nine goals i don't think the flyers could score nine goals i'll just go out on a limb and say no i mean considering they had nine shootout attempt opportunities and could (laughs) score none in their previous games so Honestly, it happens to the best of us. Uh, I would like to formally congratulate Cam Atkinson on his hand trick tonight uh, because the <laughs> Columbus Blue Jackets revenge tour is uh, is real. But apart from that, it, it'll be it, it'll be fun. I'm ex- I've been excited to watch these teams again because obviously we didn't see Philadelphia at all last season, and then the season before that kind of stopped dead in March. So I'm excited to see what the what the Flyers do this season. Well, hopefully it is a fun game because that's all we can ask for, I think, uh, when, when it yes. comes to... <laughs> that's what I've said this. all season. I don't mind if we lose, but at least like make the games exciting. Once again, thanks to Jay Foster from Locked on Columbus Blue Jackets. Should be a fun game tonight. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, um, the other night at the Islanders game, they gave out beer steins, which feels appropriate in a lot of ways. <laughs> if you need to drink up after losing that back-to-back to the Islanders, you might as well do it in a free beer stein given to you by the team as penance. For they they look nice. I like they the, do. I like, They're very nice. I, I like the font. The font really sticks out on that. Yeah, I have a couple of beer steins that I bought, like one in Germany and one in Austria, and they're they're always lovely. And I just I like what the Flyers did with it to keep it, you know, in the theme. Yeah, they kept it in the theme. I kind of wonder, like, how many can you fit in there? Is it like one tall boy, or is it like two, like like you know, like two canned beers? Can you fit two? You might be able to. That is a very good question. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We will be back again tomorrow with a recap of tonight's game. We're going to do our weekly prospect profile and talk about Ivan Fedotov. And of course, we will have our gritty thing of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Flyers. Or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at SportsOlgy, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y.
You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.